1: And subscribe to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm Sherry. And I'm David. And we are going to talk about rats today.
0: Rats. (laughs) And parks.
1: And parks. (laughs) We want to talk about addiction and understanding some things about addiction Some aspects of addiction that maybe we don't often discuss or don't give enough credit to. Some different theories about addiction that are useful.
0: Yeah, I found it really helpful. One of the first things we do when we um, begin therapy with couples or individuals is to have a session or two about addiction. Mm
1: -hmm. Because
0: often, I mean, so maybe you feel like you're an addict or somebody has said you're an addict and you need to go in and... Begin recovery. Right. And they're probably right.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: our understanding of addiction is often um, kind of not very up to date or based on research or brain chemistry. And it feels more of like You're a moral bad failing. And
1: yes. Yeah.
0: Kind of this, well, if you just had enough willpower, right. if you just had enough. Um, if you followed your values. (laughs) And so it's very helpful, I found, to talk about addiction. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And especially, I mean, for both, for the partner um, and the addict, both. But often it generates more compassion and understanding for the person who's in addiction. Right. Which you wouldn't be surprised to hear. I know that that's how somebody recovers in the best way. It's not from being forced or compelled. It's by way of like loving invitation. Yeah. Not without boundaries. I always feel like I have to throw that in there. Right. (laughs) Because it doesn't mean that whatever they want or whatever they're thinking is fine. No, definitely with boundaries. But I think we need to reconceptualize
1: our approach to addiction. Right. Yeah. I think, and I think this is so helpful for both sides. If you're supporting someone in addiction or who has addiction um, or if you are the addict yourself, Mm -hmm. understanding this concept of how it works is, uh, is really helpful. So how does that, what does that have to do with rats?
0: Rats. So there were experiments done decades ago on addiction. And the idea was to see how compelling addiction is, what causes addiction. The idea was if you take a substance into your body, you become addicted because of the substance. Right. And so independent of any other factor or what else is going on in your life, um, if there's something addictive, you know, you're going to get hooked. And some people are just more predispositioned to it. Others aren't. That was kind of our understanding.
1: brain are different and so they're more likely to... Yeah. To become addicted, but yeah.
0: And in part, we arrived at these conclusions through a series of experiments done in laboratories, mostly with rats, right? Because ethically, you're not going to do a lot with people with yeah. addiction. But <laughs> with rats, they would put a rat in a cage. The only thing in the cage was the rat, and it was a small cage. And there were two options, normal water and water with drugs, mm-hmm. just to there see I what went. would happen. Yeah. And the rats drank the water with drugs.
1: Yeah. They became heroin junkies and eventually overdosed.
0: Yep. Would lead to overdose and death like every time. And the idea was, see, it's the substance. It's the chemicals. Yeah. Um, But another professor came along and said, I don't know if this is totally um, accurate. Yeah. Because it's just a little cage and the rats in this cage and has nothing to do. What if we this created is
1: clearly a psychology professor?
0: Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> right. Definitely We've moved
1: on from biology at this point.
0: Yep. What if we created? He called it Rat Park. It's kind of like heaven for rats. <laughs> so it's a much bigger cage. There's lots of things to do. There's other rats, which I think is really the key difference, honestly. Hmm. Um, But there's just lots to do and the same drugged water or normal water. What happens? Well, if it's just about chemicals, all the rats should should, become addicted Mm -hmm. because it's available. But that's not what happened. In fact, none of the rats (laughs) became addicted. And they have even taken rats that were addicted and put them in Rat Park and these rats wean themselves off the drugged water, which is fascinating. Yes. So already dependent on the chemical or the substance, and they still get off of it on their own
1: mm-hmm.
0: in Rat Park.
1: Yeah. Why?
0: Why? So fascinating experiment. And what it did was it taught us a lot about environment and connection yes. and you know, this probably wouldn't work very well with something else that's not social, but rats are social. And guess who else is social?
1: We are. We're
0: way social. So, despite how some of us, you know, prefer
1: <laughs> yes, more so alone Yes, despite the introverts of the world, I'm so sorry, <laughs> all of you. <laughs> yep.
0: Because even then, right, you still need one or two very close people in yes. your life or companions. So.
1: You still need connection. We're wired for connection.
0: Wired for it. Like it's crazy. So one of the lines in a video, and you can actually YouTube Rat Park, mm-hmm. and you'll see a video that does a great job of talking about this. And one of the lines in the video is, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety. It's connection. Yes. And that's the hope in talking to couples and individuals about addiction so they understand um, that it's a lot about environment and the way you were raised and what's happened to you and not so much about you're just this weak person that needs to get their act together.
1: Or a bad person that or a needs bad to person. get their act together. Yes. Right. It's so, much, it's so much more than that. And there's actually a TED Talk about that as well. And so there's some different resources out there that you can look at and where they explain that a little bit better. But that's or more, I guess more in depth, but that's the the bottom line is that addiction is about not having sufficient connection or the right kind of connection. And I think that connection when you know, when I say right kind of connection, we're talking about like a deep connection, right? Not just superficial connection with other people, but an actual, actual deep connection and, and the environment that you're in the environment that you, that you have. So environment that fosters connection, um, and that is to others, but also I would say to yourself, right. Being able to, in this rat park right? They had all these other rats that they could interact with. Um, and they had other things that were stimulating to them, Mm -hmm. like where their, their brains could develop and be active. They're connecting with themselves, right? Through, um, through progression, through learning, through growth, you know, all of those are really critical pieces, um, to our development,
0: right? Right. And it's interesting because the rats clearly preferred uh, growing, stretching, playing, pushing themselves, uh,
1: connecting,
0: connecting, entertaining themselves, whatever, with connection and doing something versus just addiction or a substance. Right. So it's pretty fascinating, and I think it holds true to people. So, for Mm -hmm. example, there have been studies that followed Vietnam veterans home. Mm -hmm. And a lot were using heroin in Vietnam. And it makes sense when you look at it from this perspective. So what was their park or what was their environment? What was their cage? Well, they could die any time. They are uh, being asked to kill. Um, This is just a tremendously bad environment.
1: Very traumatic space to be in.
0: And so faced with that, heroin may not be such a bad idea. But then if they come home, everybody's worried, we're going to have a lot of addicts on the streets that can't function. that are going to impact society. Yeah. And they found that that did not happen. And so 95%, this is a high percentage, 95% of people using heroin that came back Mm -hmm. just stopped. Yeah. And it wasn't with rehab. It wasn't 12 steps. It wasn't anything like that. They came home, the environment changed, and they just could leave it alone.
1: They didn't
0: need it. Fascinating. And they've also done studies with people in hospitals who are on morphine, which is heroin. Um, but for, you know, surgeries, recovery, this kind of thing. And you would think, well, okay, if it is about the substance, then...
1: Then they're in big trouble. They're
0: in big trouble. And most yeah. of the people leaving hospitals that have taken morphine or you could say drugs, really. Yeah. Almost any kind. Yep, there's opioids or whatever. A of
1: big ones out there.
0: They're going to be in big trouble when they get home. Right. And... You see some of that, but not nearly as much as there should be. Right. If it's just the
1: substance. If it's 100%, if, yeah, if what you're going for is 100% because of this rule.
0: And you know what, honestly, I don't know of any follow-up studies that show that the ones that do struggle with this coming out of hospitals, if their environment's just not very good anyway. I mean, you imagine somebody coming home and it's terrible already. So now this looks a lot more attractive, so. But what we do know is environment is huge. It's key in this mm-hmm. process. And everybody's different, but it's our job to do the work to heal from what's preventing connection. Yes. And so let's talk about that a little bit. The job of right. the person in the addiction and you could say the job of the people who are Support around them and, and love, love them. them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can help them with that process. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so what we want to make sure that we invite people to do as therapists, is to look at what's underneath. Right. Right. And and we talk about that a lot with our clients. What's underneath the addiction. Like the addiction is, it's stuff. Stuff is going on and stuff that you don't want to be going on and you want to get to the point where you have that sobriety. But what, what caused this in the first place? What's going on under the surface? And looking at those things, whether that is trauma, um, sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. whether it is um, not having very good attachment right, um, growing up.
0: Yep, because all of those things are going to get in the way of connecting. Right. And so if you think of it in terms of connection, then maybe this becomes a little more clear. And so your addict spouse... um, probably struggles to connect yes. and you listening probably say, oh, well, yeah, so not a lot of friends. We don't feel very close. Um, right. Maybe they keep to themselves. They have lots of things they do on their own and it starts Video to make sense. Uh-huh. And
1: games you and know, just scrolling through their, their yep. devices, yep. things like that.
0: And so how do we build Rat Park? So the responsibility then is if I'm an addict on me to try to create a Rat Park environment for myself, Right. But also, if I'm the spouse of an addict, how can I contribute to this environment being more connecting and more fulfilling?
1: Right. Right. And again, I think one of the big roles then is also for that addict to be looking at themselves and looking at the work they might need to do to heal so that that's a possibility. Yeah. Right. If you have big blocks in your life. If you can't connect. If you can't connect. Yeah then it doesn't matter how heavenly Rat Park is that's being created for you or you're you're trying to create for yourself or other people are trying to help create for you. If you can't connect, it's not going to do a lot of good and it's not going to really get you where you want to go and where you want to be. So making sure you're looking at a lot of those underlying effects of how is it that... You know, why, what's preventing me from connecting? Where am I, where am I struggling there? Right. Do I need to work on attachment? Do I need to work on trauma?
0: And being honest. Yes. And saying, hey, you know what, kind of my whole life I have just not ever felt Mm -hmm. close to anybody and this is why I chose, you know, to be in IT or accounting or something (laughs) because I do a lot of work on my own and numbers I get and computers I get, but Mm -hmm. people not so much. Right. Uh, Or whatever it is.
1: Yeah whatever's holding you back um being willing to do that work because if you don't and you're just trying to work on this addiction on the top of the surface, right? Like let's just get sober, let's just move on with life. You're never going to be satisfied. Right. Right. It's you're going to be looking for other things to fill that space, right? And that's why, you know, especially if you're looking at treatment facilities, you're looking at these different situations, oftentimes people will, um, addict, they will hop from one addiction to another, right? Like, oh, they're not allowed to use drugs anymore.
0: Which helps explain why that happens so much. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So then they're out smoking or they're just (laughs) drinking. Yes. Right. So, um, it's, it's actually, if you've ever been to an AA meeting, like you will, they're all out there smoking. (laughs) Right. (laughs) or a lot of them, I shouldn't say all, but that is a very common thing to see. And so they're just, they're just swapping addictions because they're not actually getting underneath to doing the work underneath that helps them, um, be able to connect to better and then to change the environment so that it is more inviting and more connecting for themselves, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, right? You're connecting with yourself and then connecting with other people. Um, So you can get the proper chemical balance that your body needs. Right. Right.
0: Yep. And so if you are the spouse of an addict, what role do you play? Because I think it's common if you're not approaching addiction from this kind of an angle, Mm -hmm. it can be a lot more... Anger and resentment and hurt that, like, are you just choosing into this and you just don't care? Right. Why are you doing these things that are so hurtful? Um, you must just not love me or...
1: Or you're a bad person. Which makes
0: sense coming from that angle. But if we see it as something is keeping my spouse from feeling connected mm-hmm. or close... Um, they feel like they're in a cage, how can I help them to feel better? And Sherry's talking about, you know, they have to be open to it and accepting, which is not a small thing. So nobody can do this for you. So for the addict hearing this, right, you've got to do the work to make sure you can receive these good things coming from your partners because otherwise it, it wouldn't work anyway. But for the partner with boundaries... Yes. Your job is to create a loving environment that is inviting and a place they want to be and where their needs can be met. And so if you're coming home from work and you're stressed and overwhelmed, but you come home to an environment where it feels like more of the same or worse, um, that's going to make it even harder. So if if this addiction provides an escape for me from whatever the cage is, whether it's Vietnam or just a really small area and I'm all alone... um, We have to figure out a way to um, make it more positive and more inviting and a place they want to be. More loving and
1: more. Yeah. And that's, I think, the important piece around, because this is always... Okay, here comes the healthy living is balanced living space, right? So we want to find the balance between, because this is an addict's responsibility, like their responsibility to do the work of figuring out what's preventing connection. Right. But then both people in a relationship have to do the work to create a loving, inviting space. And and maybe you already are doing that, doing your very best with that. Um, but it's always something that we can just check on and say like, Hey, what's happened? And remembering that relationship and the patterns that we develop in relationship are, um, are circular. They are, they're not linear. It's not this person did this. And so now, um, I have to respond in this way or this is how I responded because of them, right? It's a circular pattern where. The things that you do influence the things that they do, which then influence mm-hmm. the things that you do, which then influence the things <laughs> that they do, right? And right. so, if we're looking at this type of a um, a situation with addiction, there's been um, there's been pulling back or withdrawing probably on both sides as as um, the disconnect with addiction progresses, right? right. And um Understandably, sometimes it's on one side and sometimes it's on the other mm-hmm. side, right? And so as we're stepping back into a connection space, the, the boundaries are helpful. And also personal healing on, on the part of the spouse is helpful to be doing their own work because that work then helps them heal and bring a more um, inviting space to the relationship potential. Right. If you have been hurt so deeply by um, by the addict and their withdrawal and disconnection, um, then you begin to withdraw. Right. And you may be less loving because you are hurt or angry or resentful. Right. And so. As we're healing relationship, you both have to step back into that vulnerable space of connection. And so what we don't want to say is, like, we're not jumping in here and victim blaming and all of the things, right? But at the same time, there are pieces that both sides will need to do in order to repair relationship.
0: Right. And it takes, you know, total honesty and openness and willingness. And we've talked about these things before. But I think helpful to approach just the whole concept of addiction in a healthy way, what we've learned. Yeah. Um, what it is and what it is not, which right. I think is always really important. And so if nothing else, you know, if I'm the addict, um, I've got to be aware of my environment. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not getting my needs met, you know, that's my responsibility. Right. And I can, I can ask others to help me, I can get help, But ultimately, it's on me. Mm -hmm. And if I am the spouse of an addict, I want to try to create the kind of environment that is going to be more attractive than, you know, this drugged water.
1: Right. A place they want to be. I mean, if we're really looking at it, that's what any healthy relationship should look (laughs) like. Right? Right. So it's not like we're saying, hey, do this extra big, huge thing because you're, you know, in a relationship with an addict. We're saying... Like create a healthy environment, right? A healthy, connected environment. Yeah. And as both of you do that, then you're going to, things are going to shift in the relationship. And I think even as a caveat, we want to look too at have the spouse also look at what might be preventing them being able to connect as well. Because there can be those pieces there that have developed, whether it's in the relationship or whether it may be from their past as well. Right. That have come into play here. And so, again...
0: I mean, just the word addiction... Right. ...can be such a powerful word or label. I mean, we we can have so much experience, negative experience already with it, that Mm -hmm. if our spouse is an addict we may automatically have a way we're going to approach that problem. Right. Whether it's effective or not. Um, Right. But if we hear addiction, we may say, okay, so this is a problem with this over here, and this is my approach to it, and it may not be something that's effective at all.
1: Right. So we have to be aware on both sides, And, and having spouses do their own work, again, helps them to be in a place to... Um, repair relationship, but also to repair anything that's going on for them that might um, separate them from being able to connect in the ways that they want to. So just throwing that extra little piece out there because ultimately we want in relationship is to have both individuals being very healthy in and of themselves and then being able to bring that to the relationship and repair any damage that may have been done. In the relationship. Yeah. So fascinating. And it's all based on connection and environment. And so it's just something to think about.
0: Yep. Rat Park. It's a catchy little... <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: I like it. And I think it's an important concept in a recovery process to really understand this well.
1: Right. So maybe take a look and see what you think about where you're at with your own abilities to connect, what might be holding you back from that and how you and those around you can foster a more connecting environment.
0: Yeah. Hope it was helpful. Thanks for joining us.
1: See you next time. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at Talking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.